Dunavant is a family-owned business that has the knowledge to ensure global and domestic shipping practices are efficient and effective. Dunavant generates supply chain proficiency with outstanding, attentive, and expedient customer service. For more information, visit Dunavant.com. Dear family, I'm writing to inform you that we're moving to Northwest Arkansas. Yep, you heard that right. It's not what you think. There's actually a lot going on. Three huge companies, lots of startups, and your money goes way further. This is a high school. That's the art museum. And that one too. And well, I guess there's just art all over. And the mountain biking, seriously. We're definitely going on a food tour when you visit. There's a million things to do here and opportunity everywhere. Maybe that's why everybody's suddenly moving here. Anyway, you'll see. Northwest Arkansas, life works here. Terrific. Well, welcome uh, to uh, Northwest Arkansas. I'm Governor Asa Hutchinson, and I appreciate Craig uh, setting the stage for uh, this event, uh, but also uh, uh, for my remarks as well. And, you know, as a governor, you might think, well, what does a governor know about supply chain security and supply chain management? And the answer is a lot more than we ever thought we would need to know. Uh, because after coming through uh, two years of a pandemic, uh, governors had to learn about the supply chain for PPE. Uh, the stories were incredible. Uh, and we understood very critically the importance of the work that you do and the responsibility and the necessity of it for uh, us being able to manage the pandemic. Uh, we're all competing in the early days and Arkansas competing with New York is not good. Uh, we had ordered some uh, hours on a factory floor so that we could get our PPE produced uh, overseas, and then they informed us that New York outbid us. And so, you know, we were competing. It wasn't a good scenario. We, we actually went to Europe to order some PPE and as it came through Spain, Spain looked at it and decided they needed it and they confiscated it. And so, yes, the supply chain, when I'm having to call, uh, uh, you know, FedEx Freight and saying, how can you help us to get this? I mean, I'm actually managing part of the supply chain. And so I understand it more than I ever thought I would or needed to. Now, I'm really proud of Northwest Arkansas, so I want to join in the welcome here uh, I uh, started practice law in Bentonville when it was a small, sleepy town of 9,000 in population. Uh, I practiced law in the square. I actually could go over and, and see Sam Walton at lunch. And so uh, to watch his success and that of J.B. Hunt and, and Don Tyson, and the key to their success was simply taking advantage of new opportunities in supply chain management to increase efficiencies, to use innovation, and to keep the consumer costs down. Huge success uh, that they have brought to Northwest Arkansas. And for that reason, perhaps, uh, we have the National Hall of Fame for Supply Chain Management right here in Northwest Arkansas at the University of Arkansas. And uh, we're very proud of that. We're proud of hosting 
uh, this conference and welcoming you here today. We have had success in supply chain management, but you've got to be on the cutting edge of the future. And Craig mentioned about technology. One of the things when I became governor in 2015 that I concentrated on was increasing the capability of Arkansas in computer science education because I knew that technology and software development was critical to every industry that we had, whether it's the retail sector or the supply chain. And we wanted to be able to produce the talent that could be the next innovators in technology and in all the industries that are important to our state. And so we went from 1,100 students taking computer science in Arkansas to over 12,000. And we're the first, we're actually the first state to require it in every high school to be offered. And then we're the third state to mandate, mandate it as a graduation credit. And that's important to know because it's critical to have that technology skill. The second thing we did, and Craig mentioned it, was to have sponsorship of accelerator programs. And so whether it's FinTech that we sponsor with FIS, we contribute half the dollars for an accelerator program looking at the latest technology in uh, the financial sector, or whether it would be uh, in supply chain management or others, we want to enhance those accelerator programs to bring the latest technologies right here to Arkansas, uh, wherever they are in the globe, because they're necessary for our industry. So I mentioned a little bit of my background here, but when I really focused again on the supply chain was a little bit before I became governor. And that whenever I was in Congress and then President Bush asked me to join his administration. And I was first head of the DEA, but that was one month before the 9-11 attack. And so when the 9-11 attack occurred, President Bush asked me to go over and to help set up the new Department of Homeland Security with uh, Secretary Ridge. I did that. I was undersecretary for border and transportation security. And so I had 110,000 people, 20-some agencies, including uh, Custom and Border Protection and ICE. Uh, we had all of our border responsibilities. And whenever I was briefed on my responsibilities, uh, they went through all the transactions that I would be responsible for and to avoid a terrorist utilizing those transactions to attack the United States. And they totaled up all of the transactions and they totaled 1.3 billion. When you look at containers coming in, when you look at uh, airplanes landing, when you look at border crossings, all of the different ways that we bring commerce into the United States, it was about 1.3 billion transactions. The chief of staff, Tech, uh, sent me a little note that said, Asa, how do you like your odds? 1.3 billion transactions, and you got to be right every time. And so it was about technology. It was about the strategy that we have to attack the supply chain, not attack it, but to work with it to identify threats. And one important principle that we invoke that is critical for today's political world and that is Congress set up the Department of Homeland Security and gave me a direction and said, you've got to protect the borders and transportation systems of the United States from a terrorist attack. And you've got to do it in a way that is consistent with the lawful flow of commerce. 
and the protection of civil liberties. You know, Congress doesn't get very many things right, but they got that right. Because the commerce cannot be stopped in the name of security, we've got to balance those two. And that is our supply chain management. And so we elevated from time to time the threat level. We had threats. We elevated our inspection levels at the border. And I made a call to the border then, and I said, what are you finding with the increased inspections? I asked two questions. One, what are you finding? And then secondly, I asked, how long are the wait lines? And that last line, that last question is critical because if the lines were too long and too backed up, because then I would be hearing from Ford Motor Company and all of the big three up there saying our just-in-time inventory is not there. We cannot produce our cars. They're coming across from Windsor. And so we have to balance those two. We have to remind ourselves today that same balance is critical as we manage our supply chain and also protect us from the critical risk and threats. But it's also about the technology. Uh, whenever you utilize our men and women overseas to protect us from a terrorist attack, it's also about that technologist who's working at the National Targeting Center, developing software and data analytics to know exactly where the threat might be, the greatest container that might pose the greatest risk to the United States. That's what we want to inspect, not necessarily 100%. You all are very, very familiar with this. Whenever I, actually, I'm in the private sector sometimes because you lose an election. Uh, but I lost my first race for governor. I was in the private sector, and I had a number of different uh, clients that were in the supply chain, and one of them had lost their fast card. You know, one of the uh, uh, trucking companies from Canada uh, had a driver that did the wrong thing, stopped by and got some marijuana, tried to bring that bag across the border, got caught at the border, and so the company paid the price. The company lost their fast lane privileges. It was critical for them to get them back, and they're calling me up in desperate circumstances and saying, what do we do, what do we do? And as I'm speaking on the phone, uh, the CEO gets a message coming in saying, you've lost another contract to bring goods across the border because you lost your fast lane privileges. That's what's at stake in this. You've got to uh, protect the integrity of your shipments. You've got to protect the supply chain. You've got to be a trusted uh, shipper. Uh, and then we, as a government, need to partner with you to move that commerce through in a safe way. And so I know the importance of the supply chain, but what is even more critical today is that today every American is beginning to understand the importance of your work. With increased demand from consumers, with worker shortages that we have today, and the geopolitical challenges that we see and changes across the globe, we have to figure out the best way to adjust so that we can keep that supply chain moving and we can actually improve its movement across the globe and into the United States. And so uh, it impacts us. And one of the things I was asked to comment on was how does it impact our economy? It slows us down. It costs more. Houses take longer to build, which adds to the cost. And so 
supply chain, everybody understands those shortages hurt us terribly as we try to regain the stability of our economy. From a governor's standpoint, I was in Batesville, Arkansas, and one of the superintendents said, we got facility funding from the state to build a new academic center for our school. You gave us X number of dollars. We passed a millage to match that so that we could build this new facility. And then inflation hit, supply chain shortages hit, and we're, at, we're stuck in limbo because of the fixed amount that they got. We're looking at having to supplement our facilities funding just to accommodate for inflation caused by supply chain shortages and uh, the other cost of construction. And so we've got to make adjustments in our supply chain. The question is, how do we do it? What adjustments are necessary? And so I'm gonna offer four suggestions that I know that each of you already thought about, but I think from my perspective, it might reemphasize the importance of you looking at what adjustments have to be made in your role in the supply chain. First of all, we need to move away from a China-centric supply chain. And the reason for this is that we have strained relations right now. They do not respect the rule of law as we do in the United States. Cost of shipment and delays, the costs go up, the delays are there, and everybody looks for an alternative from that uh, relationship that we have dependent almost totally on the supply chain coming from China. But there's also trade policy uncertainty. It's been a surprise to me to see the front and center topic of trade with China during the last administration and the silence that it has brought in this administration. And that's not to be critical, but it is everybody waits and says, what is gonna be our policy moving forward with trade policy with China? It is still in an uncertain environment. And so when you see those uncertainties of our trust relationship with China, uh, with the difficulty of the rule of law that they have in China, uh, with the delays and with the, all those other uncertainties, including trade policy, it is smart and it is logical that we look for options from a China-centric trade uh, supply chain. The second thing, and of course I should say, well, what do we need to do if we move away from China? And the answer is we need to transition our supply chain and our overseas development of goods to allied countries. And when I say allied countries, uh, they can be a broad variety but you have to have countries that understand the importance of ordered liberty, that our liberty is governed by the rule of law and that there is recourse for business whenever uh, you have challenges or disputes. And that is not true in everywhere in the globe. You also have to have countries that we can work with and whenever there's a violation of trade policy or a theft of... Uh, IP, that you have recourse and that they regard the international community in terms of those kinds of protections. Mexico is a logical partner and I've been to uh, Mexico and I've seen the supply chain there. But I was head of the DEA and we had 
a partnership with Mexico that worked at that time to go after the cartels. We had vetted units that were trained by the United States. We had success in diminishing the influences of the cartel for a time. Current president of Mexico has disbanded those vetted units, has almost reached an accommodation with the cartel versus saying they are beyond the pale of the law and we need to go after them and diminish their control of the border, their harm to people through human smuggling and drug smuggling that hurts the United States of America. We have to have a Mexico that is a better partner in terms of the rule of law, the respect, and diminishing the transnational criminal organizations that hurt us in the United States of America. And so those are questions. We have to be able to look at different supply chain sources, adjust, but pick wisely, and also have redundancy in case uh, there is a failure of a particular supply chain. The second thing that we've got to do is to improve the efficiencies of our ports. When you look at 40% of the containers that come into the United States of America, come through the port of Los Angeles and the port of Long Beach, you know there can be a bottleneck if it does not move smoothly through there. And yet the union leadership continues to fight automation of our ports to speed the process of moving those goods through. We have to be able to increase the movement of goods through our ports and the variety of ports that are utilized. And that leads to the third adjustment that we need to make that Craig alluded to. And that is we have to have smart transportation technologies. Arkansas has always led and been engaged in new innovations in supply chain, supply chain technologies. We want to continue to lead. It is critically important for our country and for the robustness of our companies that are here in Northwest Arkansas and across the state. Right between the Delta variant and the Omicron variant, there was a window, and I made an international trip to Israel. I was asked to speak at the Prime Minister's Smart Mobility Conference, and as I was there, I was preceded by the Minister of Transportation from Israel. And the Minister of Transportation was making the case to the audience that we need to get a law passed by the Knesset, their parliamentary body, that will allow us to pilot autonomous vehicles in Israel. Well, that was her message. We've got to get a law passed to allow us to uh, have a piloting of autonomous vehicles. I followed her, and I must say I took a little bit of pride in saying, well, in Arkansas, we passed in 2019 a law that allowed the piloting of autonomous vehicles and that we actually are carrying that out. And on that day, uh, the partnership between Walmart and Gaddick uh, was delivering uh, the, by autonomous vehicles, goods from the warehouse to the retail store. And so we have been innovating in Arkansas through our incredible companies. And J.B. Hunt is doing the same and their innovation in autonomous, uh, autonomous vehicles. And we have to be able to continue to look at innovation in the supply chain that might make some people nervous, but whenever you have the worker shortage, the driver shortage, 
uh, the need to move these goods, we have to look at those technologies. We want to be on the cutting edge of that in Arkansas, so I appointed the Council on Future Mobility with leading experts from not just Arkansas but across the country that's looking at what are the barriers of government and what we impose that prevents the utilization uh, and barriers to the production of autonomous vehicles, the utilization of those, or drone deliveries that we're also utilizing in Arkansas, but also looking at the expansion of electric vehicles in the supply chain. All of those things, my Council of Mobility will be looking at with a report due by October 30th. I announced this in my State of the State address because we need smart technologies in the supply chain if we're going to succeed in the future. And then the fourth thing that I'll mention is we have to onshore key industries in their production. We have to move part of the supply chain back to the United States of America, particularly in the sensitive industries that we have had experience and challenges with, whether it's PPE or semiconductors. And so right now, pending in Congress is the Innovation and Competition Bill that will enhance research uh, in these specific technologies that we need to move the United States of America. Uh, it's going to put more money in helping us to develop those industries here in the United States. Um, as a chairman of the National Governors Association in a bipartisan way, by the way, the NGA is one of the few bipartisan organizations that work anymore, uh, but Phil Murphy and myself signed a letter supporting uh, Congress to make a compromise and to get us that innovation and competition bill. That is critically important to us. And so to be successful in this, we've got to make adjustments. We depend upon you. Government's not the solution in anything. It is what business does, the innovation that you have, but government should not be a barrier, should not be a block to the work that you do. And my philosophy is that we've got to be a partner with you until you cross the line and then you're in a different category. And that's whether it is the environment or whether it is in other ways of regulation. Part of the supply chain critically important that we have to have is steel, is steel. And I am delighted to have recruited U.S. Steel to produce their latest steel mill in Arkansas. U.S. Steel will be doing a $3 billion investment. We'll be hiring 900 workers along the Mississippi River in Arkansas at the average wage rate of $100,000. And I'm very happy with that because it means that Arkansas soon will pass Pennsylvania as the number one steel producing state in the nation. And that's a source of pride, but it's also important for our supply chain and the automobile industry and a whole host of other needs that we have uh, to grow our economy. But one of the things that David Burrett, who's the CEO and chairman of U.S. Steel, said to me was that we will build this $3 billion facility in Arkansas, get it permitted, go into construction, and get it built and completed and in operation before they could get a permit to build one in Pennsylvania. That's a regulatory hurdle that hurts our country in growing and in prospering and moving our economy forward. We're enhancing our workforce training 
for CDL drivers and the opportunities for them, but also those that are needed in robotics training that's critical to move our supply chain. We're enhancing our investment in equipment and training in our high schools and our two-year colleges here in the state. The result of all of this is that our economy is booming in Arkansas. Uh, we, our state budget is, has a surplus and is balanced. And we have people that are moving into the state, one of the leading states in in-migration. We've lowered our taxes in this state. When I became governor, it was 7% individual income tax rate, way too high. We've reduced that down to 5.5, and we're going to reduce it further. Lower taxes make a difference in bringing competition and bringing industry here. We have 100,000 more people working today than before the pandemic or before I became governor. Uh, so we're back to a pre-pandemic unemployment stage because we never shut our businesses down in Arkansas. During that pandemic, I got so much pressure to say, you're an essential business you can operate. You're not essential business, and so you need to shelter in place and stay home. I looked at this and said, we're not going to make that distinction because every business that provides a job for a family is an essential business. <laughs> and so we kept our businesses going, our economy moving, and so we never had uh, the downturn that so many other states had, and our economy has come back much quicker. And today, uh, we're strong, we're vibrant, and we're looking for the next stage of innovation for our country. You know, I'm excited about our future. I had the opportunity to serve as a young United States attorney under Ronald Reagan, long ways in history. But it gave me an opportunity to see him firsthand in operation and I saw characteristics of Ronald Reagan that I believe that we need today. First of all, he was a consistent conservative and he understood the limited role of government. And he had that philosophy whether he won or lost a political race. Secondly, when he got into office, he was a pragmatic. He could work with Tip O'Neill, go hard at it, but work with him and say, we're going to get things well done for America. And they did. But the third thing, and this is what we need today, is optimism. He was always looking at America and its future and the brightness that's ahead of us. And today, I believe in America. I believe in our strength. I believe in our freedom. I believe in our ordered liberty based upon the rule of law. And that that will always set apart the United States of America as a stronger and a freer nation but you have to set the example and the tone for our future. So I'm glad that you're convened here. I'm glad that you're gonna come up with new ideas. We wanna hear a great report and you will help us to keep America strong and free into the future. Thank you and God bless you.